welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their fantastic hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 101. Well, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, That's when this episode is releasing, and so if you were on your break or enjoying some time off from work and you're listening, I just am grateful. Welcome to episode 101. Um, Last week, if you didn't listen to episode 100, we kind of had some clips from some different people, and I tell you what, there are so many different clips over the last 99 episodes that we could talk about, but I tell you what, we're headed into the future. (laughs) We're moving forward. New guests, new episodes, new interviews, new hunting stories that you haven't heard before. For, and I am so excited about that. You know, and that's what I think about with the new year. It has new potential, um, and maybe 2020 was a bust for you. Maybe it was a great growing opportunity for you. I don't know what it was like, but 2021, hopefully with the new year, we have some new opportunities um, just to enjoy life um, and shed the light and all of those good things. Uh, my hunting season is not over. Still been at it here and there. I've actually gone muzzleloader hunting a couple times. I saw 20 deer in 30 minutes the other night out on, out on a soybean field, which I don't normally hunt, uh, so that was pretty exciting. No shooter bucks, which is what I'm uh, targeting right now. Um, I'm recording this uh, right before Christmas, so over Christmas break, I plan to go up to my wife's parents and I'm um, going to try a couple different things up there, maybe get a couple hunts in over the weekend with my brother-in-law, maybe with a friend, and we'll see how that all plays out. But it's been cool. I tell you this year, one of the things that I just uh, feathered in my cap, something I'm proud of, um, is that I've been able to put five people on deer and give them an opportunity at one at least. Uh, two of them have been able to connect. Uh, muzzleloader season, I took a buddy out after seeing those 20 deer and uh, got him super close to a doe, and it just didn't pan out. He, he uh, swing and a miss. He shot with a shotgun, and I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but clean miss. But I was at least happy I got him in, in the ballpark and, and gave him a chance. So that's been cool. Today, I'm happy to have on the podcast a guy that my brother told me about. Uh, my brother was friends with him, and so I became with friends with him on Facebook, and the very first thing I noticed about Eric Crawford is just how positive this guy is. He's doing a lot of videos, encouraging people, uh, trying to do some motivational speaking type thing. He's a part of a group called Ahead of the Game Outdoors, and uh, just a, a really encouraging guy, and I really enjoyed my interview with him. Uh, he shot a really big buck this year, his biggest buck to date and it's a crazy story how that all went down so we get to meet eric hear his backstory and he's got some great stories that i think you guys are going to enjoy so without further ado here's eric crawford hey guys i am happy to have uh eric crawford on the show eric is from minerva ohio eric how you doing man good brother how are you oh doing great what's what's going on Oh man, another blessed day. Um, just got done doing some running around with my wife, my son. Yeah. Really looking forward to sharing my heart and uh, some hunting stories with you and and your audience. Yeah, man, I'm I'm happy to have you on. Now, our, our connection, I believe, is my my goofy. I mean, my brother. Not, sorry, he shot a buck named Goofy. That's where I get confused. But my brother, I believe, is the connection. And I didn't ask you this before we hit record, but how do you know my brother? So I actually know your brother from a health and wellness uh, venture that I was on. and that he was Oh, on. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were under the same, uh, same team and that's how I got to know him and found out, you know, he's like me, likes hunting. And <laughs> yeah. He recommended you. So well, cool. Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, um, I grew up in a small, I guess, farm town outside, um, outside of Canton, Ohio uh, called Homeworth. And man, I grew up, started hunting when I was eight years old and it's always, my dad's always done it. Both, I actually have two dads. So that's uh, been a huge blessing. I basically grew up with two dads and two moms yeah. ever since I was a little kid. So that's been a huge blessing in my life. I've got a lot of wisdom from four different people that love me unconditionally. So really thankful for that. But uh, both my dads hunted and it was kind of just something, man, I grew up into. Uh, and I absolutely love it, man. I, so I started hunting when I was eight. And got my first deer when I was, what, 13 years, 12 or 13, one of those two. (laughs) It's been a while now. I'm getting old. I'm going to date myself a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I got my first deer then. And I've continued the passion of hunting. It was all deer hunting at first and it was just shotgun. And then that's morphed into, I am an avid, avid bow hunter. I enjoy, Mm. uh, I enjoy turkey hunting as well. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and I actually pro staff for a group called Ahead of the Game Outdoors. And that was always been a dream of mine. That has always been a dream of mine, just to be able to film and, and be part of that, you know, that aspect of the hunting world that I love to watch so much. Yeah. Well, a couple questions that came out of that. So I don't know that I've ever had a guest really talk about having two dads yeah. take them hunting. So you care if I ask a couple questions about that? Absolutely, brother. So what was that like? Did they both have similar hunting styles or how, how did, you know, how did um, going hunting with one dad compare to going hunting with, with your other dad? How did that, that play out for you growing up? I'm just curious how that would have worked. No, no. Awesome question, man. So honestly, they both did have very similar hunting styles, which did me well. Um, at that time in my life, we were, we were, you know, like I said, it was always shotgun and muzzleloader. So, you know, here in Ohio, we have a shotgun season, a muzzleloader season. Yep. And um, so my, both my dads did the same thing. They both put on drives and stuff. And my um, biological dad, they would sit for a while in the morning, which was probably the main difference between him and my bonus dad. <laughs> so you know, my bonus dad, it was, we were, you know, we had set up drives and we'd go and with my biological dad, that's the way it was, is we, we would sit for a little bit in the morning and then we'd do some drives. So, I mean, technically that's a, but as far as hunting styles, they were both about the same. What's that? About the same then. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. It was, it, it made it very easy for me and it wasn't confusing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell you, I, I talked to my brother last week, I had him on the podcast and with him, that was a kind of a thing that we talked about is, um, you know, I love doing the deer drives, but as we got older and as the, the people that we went with got older, it just seemed like we had less and less drive as a kid. I remember we'd do like six, seven, seven drives in a day. Like we'd drive like crazy. And then the last time I hunted with them, I think we did like four <laughs> it was like it was like a drive and then about an hour or so of talking and then about a half hour of talking about the next drive and it's just like man i, I came here to hunt <laughs> but i like i do like talking to people it is fun too oh man you ain't kidding well and on top of that man i noticed you know from when we first started we had say 750 acres to hunt and then as you know, some people get in their room and stuff for others or land gets sold off and mm -hmm. they, you know, they do the hunting themselves. You lose a bunch of property too. And that was, that was a little bit of what we saw uh, down where we used to hunt and put on the drives was exactly that. We lost a lot of land and therefore lost the drives and everything else. Yeah. Same, same thing on our end too, actually. Um, in fact, like how I'd say they probably can only drive maybe a third of what they used to be able to. And so I think, I really think it's probably across the board. It seems like that style of hunting is really kind of just slowly, but surely slipping away, you know? Yes, absolutely. I know up here where we live, so we hunted about an hour and a half South when I was younger. Now up here where I live now, there's still quite a bit of people that uh, beat the bushes. Or yeah. As we like to call it, but uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's still it's definitely declining and and the amount of hunters in the woods from what i've read statistically is declining a lot too yeah yep that is for sure um yeah, and I, I do think there are also a lot of bow hunters and you mentioned that at some point that kind of clicked for you so at what point did you pick up a bow and tell us some stories maybe around that eric where uh you kind of got that thrill for chasing whitetails with with the with the bow in the hand Oh man. So I bought my first, I went out when I was a lot younger and didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I took a milk crate and sat on the ground. Um, <laughs> honestly, I had no clue what I was doing with my uh, bonus dad's crossbow. And I would sit out there and I never got a deer. I only sat out a couple of times and stuff, but I enjoyed it, man. I've, I've, I spent a lot of time with God in the woods and I've just always found just complete peace and tranquility. Whether I see anything or not, it's always a blessing to be sitting out there. So yeah. Um, I picked up my first compound bow back in oh, 2009. I moved home from Florida because I moved to Florida for about four and a half, five years. I moved home and I uh, just remembered how much I love going after this big mature Ohio whitetail. So uh, yeah, I grabbed my first compound then and kind of taught myself how to shoot. I wasn't really, you know, didn't really have internet or nothing to jump on YouTube back then. So yeah, uh, it was just, man, I kind of taught myself and talked to people and got some pointers. And before you know it, I got fairly consistent and I loved it, man. Yeah. Tell us about that first, uh, the first deer you're able to get. Okay. So 
the first deer I was able to get with, uh, with my compound was right after I started filming. So I started filming uh, in 2015. And I had uh, honestly, like I said, not really had too many opportunities to take anything mature. You know, I always want to take a mature animal. Yeah. Uh, that's just, that's my heartbeat, you know, and that's the way I like to do it. And uh, nothing toward anybody that likes to fill the freezer either. I, I understand that. But so I didn't really get from 2009 until 2015. Honestly, I, I really didn't get too many opportunities because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being quite frank. I was just kind of, you know, trial and error. So yep. we went down, I got asked to join up with the head of the game outdoors and we went down to some of my family's land in Kentucky. And man, I'll tell you what, we had three big bruisers on camera and we wanted to try to get one in velvet. So we go down in one weekend in July and put up corn, put out corn minerals and trail cameras, and then went back again in August to hang stands and check, you know, check the sites and re-up them. So uh, we found a great spot. And then, so we come back down the very beginning of September opening day, you know, day before opening day uh, to hunt these this one particular spot that just, like I said, we had a couple two booners easy that were easy booners and one that was borderline uh, coming in all at the same time. So we were pretty excited about that. Well, sadly, we got one hunt in the night, uh, the first night we were down there. And then the next morning, then we we're hanging another set to hunt out of the next that night. And a great friend of mine who's part of our group he was hanging the stand and was hooking up his, you know, he used his uh, harness the whole way up and stepped out onto the tree or onto the uh, stand platform to, and started to hook his harness back up and the stand collapsed on him. Oh and he, no. Oh, yeah, man. Fell 25 feet, man, and hit the ground. And um, honestly, I heard him scream and I think I was running to him before he even hit the ground. And man, it was, it was a, and it was, it was, it was pretty terrifying. He, he ended up compound fracturing his femur through his leg is shattered his knee, his ankle and his pelvic bone. And I mean, it was, it was a mess. And we were, we were on the back in the back 40. Mm. So I had to, you know, we, I ran and took the uh, gator and took off running. And <laughs> thankfully it was on a Sunday and my family was home. So we, they grabbed trucks and hands and uh, we, we got him out of there. But it was a real uh, sobering experience, uh, just how quickly, you know, because he's very experienced and he was doing the, he was being safe. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, it, it was a sobering experience and it taught me a lot. And so, we'll, you know, we get him to the hospital and all week it was like 95 to in between 90 and 100 degrees. And it yeah. was just hot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had until uh, I was leaving Thursday morning. So Wednesday evening, um, we went over or Wednesday midday, I went and saw Sean was his name, my buddy. I went and saw him at the hospital and there's a storm coming in and my uncle was with me. I said, Hey, we got to hurry up and beat this storm. I'm going to go sit through this storm. So he's like, all right. So I go, man, I sit in the storm, sit through the storm. You got my rain gear on and I'm up there and here come the deer, man. They start filing up right up through the, um, corn and the minerals and everything. And uh, there came a buck that was, he was a decent one. And my uncle would ask me, Hey, you know, they live off the land as much as possible. So, and he's retired and stuff. He goes, Hey, you know, I know it's your last night. If you could take anything, you know, any meat that we could, I would, you know, I'd be more than happy, you know, I'd be more than thankful for it. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, shoot. Absolutely. Blessed family. Absolutely. So um, we had a, bu a decent buck come up through and then uh, I had another, a bigger buck coming up through and I'm like, okay, you know, this is my last chance. I, in hindsight, I probably should have waited a little longer because we still had like two and a half hours of daylight left. So I probably should have waited to see what else was going to come through. But, um, it had been a really tough, uh, week, both emotionally with that happening with Sean and just physically and mentally in the heat, not seeing any deer. So, uh, I had a pretty decent buck coming up through and, uh, yeah, and so I'm sitting there and he comes up and he's walking up the hill and he's walking right toward me just like the other one did and he just stops and he just looks right at me I'm up in the stand and I, I had this stand set up so we could take seated shots mm -hmm. so <laughs> he's looking at me and 
he starts stomping and he, I was like, well, I'm busted. <laughs> it's such a terrible feeling. <laughs> oh man, you're not kidding. I'm like, man, I hope he doesn't blow. That's the only thing I was thinking. I hope he doesn't blow and yep. scare tell everything that I'm here. You know, hopefully he just uh-huh. gets a little nervous and takes off. So he's looking up at me and then all of a sudden his head snaps down to the right and he gets extremely, extremely nervous. And I'm like, Oh, bigger buck. You know, that, that was my first instinct because he was he definitely wasn't a dominant buck. And um, I'm like, oh, bigger buck. So I got really excited. And I see him, he's got something, he's focusing. I see movement underneath my stand. So I slowly lean forward and look underneath my stand. And it was the coolest thing, man. I this is just oh man, it's so cool. It was there's a bobcat walking underneath my stand with a fresh kill of a squirrel in his mouth. Whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. I was like, wow. And it stinks because I didn't have my camera on because, well, it was my buddy Sean's camera is a real expensive camera and it had been raining and I didn't know how much they could take. Cause I was pretty new with the rain. So I didn't have that thing out in the rain at all. <laughs> uh, and that's the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. I didn't get it on film, but man, it was, it was truly an experience that, I mean, I've never seen a bobcat in person um you know ever so that was a great experience well that bobcat took that buck's focus off me and the buck turned and his head was behind a clump of trees so i drew back gave me a perfect broadside shot and um i let the rage eat man and (laughs) ran about 40 yards down the steepest most yeah just steepest incline that you could ask for and died (laughs) wow and that's your first that's your first one with a bow yes sir Man, that's cool. That's really cool. The bo- the bobcat buck. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. Uh, it cool. Was, it was so neat, man. I, I I've just sat there and thought about that multiple times in my life. That was my first one with a bow, and I was just like, "Wow, that is something neat." <laughs> yeah. Um. So, in all of this, right after your friend had fallen out of a tree, now how long did it take him to recover? Honestly, for, I mean, he's still, he's still on disability. Um, oh, he's, man. He's still walking. Thankfully, he can still hunt. He's doing well. But, I mean, it honestly, it changed the trajectory of his life. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, it took him up to two years and a bunch of surgeries. To, so he could um, really, you know, <laughs> function in, in, a, in a good, in a good way anyhow. And I'll tell you what, man, uh, a lot of respect for him he is one of the toughest jokers i've i've ever seen yeah but throughout all the like dude he didn't shed a tear he was in a lot of pain because uh when he when his leg when he compound fractures the leg it went the bone went out of his leg and then it nicked an artery on the way out so he's bleeding a little bit not horribly but i mean he wasn't crying he wasn't losing his mind he was very i mean he was hurting and you could tell he was in agonizing pain and he would kind of growl a little bit you know yeah. but, i mean it's just a testament to the t- how tough Sean is. And, and I mean, today he just shot a nice buck this year. You know, he's, he's back at it. He loves, he loves what we do and loves what he does. So yeah, it's just so, a testimony to how, how great of a guy he is. So, and you, you said this a little bit, but basically he, he had, he was tethered in until he got up to the top step and then did he unhook to get onto the platform and then was going to rehook back in. Was that what was going on? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's something a lot of guys have done. Um, episode 90, I had a guy on who also, uh, he climbed up a tree just real quick, just to get a camera arm out. Uh, he wasn't even planning on hunting that day and he fell 25 feet. He, he fared a little bit better than your friend, I believe. But I tell mm-hmm. you, it, it just, once again, here we are toward the end of the season. And I tell you, that's a time probably when I, I imagine a lot of accidents happen because guys have been safe, but you kind of get tired. <laughs> you get tired of like, like, oh, I could go up there. It wouldn't be a big deal. I can just, I don't have to worry about staying connected. So this would be your reminder once again, everybody to make sure you're being safe as you're out in the woods. Cause it can change all in a, a, a second. Oh man. Yeah. And it, 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 it'll happen that quick. I, like I said, and I, I won't get in the stand. There's been times I've went to my tree stand and I'm like, Oh no, I forgot my, either my harness or my, my tie off rope, you know, and if I don't have it, I'm not hunting. Well, at least I'm not hunting and stand. Maybe I'll sit in the ground and try to figure something out, but yeah. I won't do it because I saw what it did to my buddy. And, uh, I, you know, I don't wish that on anybody. Mm. Well, Eric, I saw, um, on Facebook, you know, when my brother suggested uh, having you on, I saw that you were able to have some success this year. 
But between, I'm just, I want one more story, at least one more story in between. Okay. So we'll, we'll save that for the end here, but any, any stories between your first deer and your, the last year that you're able to harvest, it just kind of stands out to you. What kind of rise to the top of some of maybe your, your favorite stories? Oh man. So my first deer, I actually killed in 13. It was a doe. Uh, not that nothing, nothing real exciting about that, but the second deer I killed was, um, the first buck I ever killed was, and I was 18 years old and I'll, I'll set a little background for you because at that time in my life, man, I mean, I was, I was in my first year of college. I was playing football down at uh, Bethany college and just, you know, I was on top of the world, loving life. And I came home from college and like, like most college kids, I used to, you know, I used to go out and drink and stuff. So I was out with my friends all night. Um, got to my dad's house the next morning and I was still awake from the night before. So you can imagine what kind of shape I was in. <laughs> um, not proud of this, but it's, it's, it's where I come from and, it, and it's how far things have come. So I, I don't mind sharing that. Uh, and so we go down to where we, you know, where we're used to hunting, where we put on the drives down in Janine Hutton and awesome people down there too, man, with their family, you know, the, yeah. the guys in the land that we hunt, their family to us. And oh, wait, just, how do you, how do you say that again? Janine Hutton. I thought that was, I've always called it Natahootin. <laughs> <laughs> it might be that too. I think you're right. I think you're right. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce it. So I always make it up. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. Hey man, you're good. I could be saying it wrong for all these years. You never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we go down there and we're putting on drives and my, yeah, uh, my bonus day say, Hey, no, nope, you, you want to go out and be numb. You're walking. I'm like, all right. So I put on like three drives and I was sick. I didn't want nothing. I was like, I didn't want to be there. And that's not like me, but I did, you know, I did it myself. So the next drive, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to sit out in this field to wait. There's nothing ever comes this way. I'm going to sit up against this uh, telephone pole right in the middle of this field and I'm sleeping. So it was, it was really neat because we had, um, I had a, uh, we had, we had, had a fresh snowfall that night. And I mean, the snowfall, just like this year, it's just kind of crazy. I got both of my biggest bucks on a morning after a snowfall like this, but like the, the snow was just stuck to all the tree branches and in thick stuff, you can't see 15 yards in front of you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm going out to this telephone pole. I don't, I know I'm not going to see anything. I don't care. I just want to sleep. So <laughs> it's freezing cold out, you know, and, fresh blanket of snow on the ground. We got, I think four and a half, five inches that night. And I'm up against the telephone pole sleeping and I hear a gunshot and I look up and there's three doe, like 300 yards in this field that cross over this field and go right back up into the other hollow. I'm like, all right, cool. Back to sleep. And then all of a sudden I hear my brother's day, Eric, here he comes. And I look up, man. And I'm telling you what, this is something like, it's like a dream. The sun's shining, you know, the snow's just glistening. And here's this big eight point jumping in the air. When I first saw him, he was in the air, jumping over a creek bed with the sun just shining and glistening. It, like I said, something like a dream, man. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Oh, and he ran and he was about 90 to 100 yards. And I would like to sit here and tell you that I, I aimed and I, I let him. I like to call it a strategic point because I don't think I really quite aimed but I pulled up and I pulled the trigger and dropped him on a full dead sprint at a, you know, 90 to hundred yards in his tracks. And uh, thankfully buck fever hadn't had a chance to kick in yet because he was what I thought trying to get away. So I tried shooting him, you know, two more times and I shot about a foot over his back and three foot underneath him. I was shaking. So bad at that point. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, that was a, that was, Oh man, that was a memorable hunt. I mean, obviously I forgot about being sick very quickly. And um, up until two weeks ago, that was the biggest buck I'd ever shot. And I haven't really shot any, except for that bow, that buck with a bow. Um, I haven't really shot any bucks ever since. Cause I said, I wouldn't shoot anything smaller than the one I got on the wall. Mm, okay. So you kind of set that standard. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, there's a lot of years I ate tag soup because I passed on something, you know, a mm -hmm. decent buck, but it just wasn't mature. And I, I want, I want to take a mature buck. So that's, yeah, it's been a long time coming. 
Yeah, I tell you what, I uh, I kind of set that standard for myself too. I was like last year, I was like, I want to shoot something just a little bit bigger than what I shot last year. That shouldn't be too hard, right? Well, I've I've only had like one opportunity, I think, this year. And then last night, I had a four corn come out, and I was like, man, his back straps would be pretty good. <laughs> so I gave him the pass, but I was like, you know, I, I've never shot a four corn. I, I, I you know, I uh, it was tempting, very tempting. <laughs> oh yeah, there's there's been times that well, last year I shot a buck and so if we got time i'll tell you this story before i get into the big buck that yeah, I absolutely okay cool uh so last year man uh, i was working days but i didn't have to be at work till nine so when we got that extra hour uh <laughs> it was awesome so i'd go hunt almost every morning before work and get, get a couple hours in so i was sitting out there it was november 6th it was my sister's birthday um my six, sister actually passed away this year summer excuse me oh sorry to hear that yeah yeah it's it's it was it was tough but so it was on her birthday man and it, it's something that I was I, I had all my camera gear and I was like all right I got 10 minutes to get out of the stand so I slowly start packing up my camera gear and I would scan pack some scan pack some while uh, I'm sitting there and I just got everything packed up and I was like all right one final scan and I got a Two, pine, two big pine trees about 45 yards northwest of my stand and I look up and I'm like "Ooh, that pine tree grew deer legs <laughs> and, <laughs> so I was like I wonder what's it you know and then I saw he moved his head and I saw some some pretty substantial bone I'm like oh man so I you know hung my backpack back up real quick and grabbed my bow and again I didn't, couldn't record it because I had all my stuff <laughs> packed up and he come out and he was looking for a hot dough and he scanned, looked around, looked around Well, they started eating and I'm sitting there, I'm my heart's racing 10,000 miles a minute. This is the biggest buck I've ever seen while being in the tree stand with my bow. And I'm just, I'm a mess. I'm like, you got to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. I'm like, breathe, breathe. You couldn't hit an elephant right now. You just need to breathe. So I calmed myself down and I've talked myself through, you know, the possibility, possible sequence of events that's about to take place. So I was like, all right, he's, you know, I was like, he's about 32 yards, give or take, you know, 30, 32 yards. I didn't, I should have got my range finder out, you know, rookie mistake in my, in my excitement, I did not. Um, so I was like, if he's broadside, you know where to send it. If he's quartered away, make sure, you know, I'm just like I said, talking myself through it. So he turns and he's quartered away and he's got his head down. I draw back and I put my um, my 35-yard pin on him and, I, you know, hit my release and it sails and it sails high. And I missed his spine probably by about an inch, but I shot right up into no man's land mm -hmm. and yeah, just missed the spine and it had the angle that it went right underneath the spine and it went into the front left shoulder. Yeah. So it just stuck. So I saw, only thing I saw was fletchings hanging out. And I was like, I instantly got sick to my stomach because I knew what happened. <laughs> that I put a bad shot on him and stuff. And uh, man, I, I searched, I had some, my you know, bonus dad came, buddy of mine, we searched for that deer for 17 hours. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, could not find it. Could not find hardly hardly any blood because there's no exit. Um, come to find out, man, the reason we didn't find that buck, um, I got him back on trail camera this year with a scar to prove it. Wow. Okay, yeah. so he made it through that. He did, and I have no clue how. I was, I was using the Rage Extreme chisel tips, man, a two and a third inch cutting diameter, and I've never had any issues. That's the first deer I've ever lost with a bow. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It hurts. It does. I mean, every time. And it just, I mean, you put all this time in. Hey, hey Eric, are you hearing a dinging right now? I don't know what yeah. that. I was wondering what that was. I'm not too sure. I'm not sure if that's me or you. Huh. Yeah. I've never heard it before, but it doesn't mean it's not me. <laughs> well, I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But it, it just, it stinks. It stinks whenever that happens. And it's just one of those things that unfortunately, most hunters are going to experience that. You do everything in your power to try and make that not happen, but we we sometimes make mistakes and sometimes you know things happen quick and it's just unfortunate. You know, it's just the way it goes. So I mean, it's good to know that the deer made it through, and that's something I've always thought about too. It's like you know, I I hate you know you hate to injure a deer, but if if you know that they're going to be healthy later on and can survive it, that's a good thing. Yes, absolutely. I was 
I was heartbroken, man. And honestly, last year it took the wind out of my sails and I hunted after that, but not a whole lot because that's the first mature buck I'd ever had an opportunity at with my bow. And yeah, I waited a long time, man, about 10 years or more for it. <laughs> so needless to say, when I didn't, you know, and I prepared myself for shooting consistently and stuff. And it is so when I, I, I misjudged my yardage is what happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it's like you said, man, it's one of those things that happened. It's heartbreaking. And especially when you respect the game, you know, like the wild game, the deer, whatever you're hunting, really, uh, when you respect the game and then the, just the blessing of being able to hunt and then something like that happens, you it's, it, 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 like I said, it took the wind out of my sails and I was sick. My wife's like, I've never heard you this upset about anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I'll tell you what, it, 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 just nothing worse than that feeling, just that sinking feeling like, oh no, what did I just do kind of thing. And that's, that is uh, frustrating. So, but I, I'm guessing that you didn't have that feeling after what happened this year. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. This year was pretty crazy. Mm. All right. Bring us through it. Tell us what happened. All right. So I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Man. My wife and I bought a house down here. We bought our first home together and stuff down here. I'm an urban. I got two acres of property, about an acre of it's wooded, but it conjoins with, I mean, we're out in the, we're out in the sticks, which I absolutely love, uh, but it conjoins with all kinds of ag land and a bunch of woods. So um, it, it was a good, it's a good spot. Yeah. And, um, I had had five different shooters on camera throughout the you know summer and leading up and they disappeared how they do. Then they, they were back around rut and stuff. And, uh, man, I spent a lot of time in the woods and I hadn't seen any of them on the hoof. Mm. So, uh, Monday, two Mondays ago on the, was it the 30th was the first day of shotgun season. And I like to get in there early because I want my area to be calmed down by the time, you know, other hunters that are not normally in the woods or in hunting sections of property that aren't normally hunted, they get in there and they start stirring things up. So I like to get in there. So it's, it's a quarter till six and I'm sneaking up past my corn pile and (laughs) I hear a, a deer take off and I knew it was a big deer. I mean, anybody that's hunted long enough. And if you're like me, you've ran enough stuff off in the dark that you can tell <laughs> if it's a big one or not. <laughs> yeah. So I heard this, this big deer just go crashing down through the woods and I'm like, Oh man, I wonder what buck I just, you know, ran off the, ran off the corn. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll pull the SD card on my way out and we'll see. So I hunt all morning, man. It's raining, blowing like crazy, cold as heck. Uh, I pull the SD card and here's O'Donnell. That's what I called this buck. I called him O'Donnell. So he is just, it it was him. He had been there and I had had pictures, daylight pictures of him uh, the week of Thanksgiving leading up to that. And a couple other, two other shooter bucks that were coming right at shooting light and staying until, you know, first, first light. So, I didn't, I was like, oh man. And he was wide. I'm like, that's that wide one. That's O'Donnell. I'm like, yes. I'm like, that stinks. <laughs> and he was living right across the road. I knew where he was living uh, just from running trail cameras and seeing him crossing at night and stuff like that in the you know, direction he came from. So anyways, <laughs> I'm like, oh man, that mature buck saw me. He's not coming back here anytime soon. So I go, I hunt the rest of the day sitting and I sat in another spot that afternoon and I go to leave for work that night and I turn out of my driveway and wouldn't you know it here comes O'Donnell across the field and he's going to cross back over to go up to my corn pile at night <laughs> oh man yeah oh. so, <laughs> yeah and I I laughed because uh this this is kind of my luck when it comes to hunting and that's okay because i enjoy what i do you know i enjoy just being able to do it it's not about killing things but that just seems to be how things you know work out sometimes mm-hmm. and i told my wife i said sweetheart i said this is just my luck you know i was like a jerk he's just teasing me you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh so the next day i go to pick up my daughter and there's a guy hunting that property and for whatever reason in my mind i just knew he's going to shoot o'donnell because i knew that's where o'donnell had been living and I'm like, it, it was just in my mind. I have no clue why. Well, I, I go, I'm driving, pick up my daughter, and my wife sends me a text. Hey, sweetheart, I just heard a shot across the road. 
And again, in my mind, he had already shot that deer for whatever reason. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's cool. At least, you know, if he does get him, at least somebody got him. I mean, it's it's a trophy. I'm, I'm so thankful. And I think it's awesome. I love hearing other people's stories and seeing the joy that it brings them. So I ain't too worried about myself. I went long enough without shooting a monster buck that I ain't worried about it, you yeah. know? Um, so it's a blessing to see other people succeed. And it's a blessing just to be able to be out there. So I come back and I asked my daughter, I said, hey, honey, you want to go... Uh, you want to go put in the uh, SD card back in the trail camera with daddy? Yeah, daddy. Yeah. Well, all right. So yeah, we go, we start now we have a right behind our house is our woods and it goes in a triangle form um, formation. So it starts out real narrow down by the house and then it gets wider as you go. So uh, there's like a dozer path. You can drive a truck up it if I cleaned it off, but I, um, you know, I don't because keeps the deer happier and they feel safer so <laughs> anyway so we start walking up this path and her and I are talking just like you and I are I didn't think anything of it you know didn't think of taking a gun or anything like that and we're just talking and I look up about 80 yards it's like man that looks like a rack and then he turns him he's in his bed and he just turns his head and looks at us I was like oh my goodness <laughs> Hunter, I was like, Abriella, that's my daughter, you know, I was like, Abriella, I was like, honey, turn around, and we're going to walk right back to the house, she said, okay, daddy, like, looking at me with this look, like, have you lost your marbles, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking down, she said, daddy, we didn't even put the SD card in the camera, so what are we doing, <laughs> I said, well, I was like, honey, there's a big buck bedded down on top of the hill, I said, daddy's going to go grab his gun and grab his orange, and I'm going to see if I can sneak up on him and get a shot. And so I bring her down. I grab, I grab my gun and go grab my orange. And I am army crawling up this hill at this point. <laughs> so picture, picture this guy that wasn't definitely wasn't dressed for hunting. I'm in a pair of nice boots of some of my best, you know, some good jeans and um, a, like a Columbia jacket, like those black little puffy ones, you know, that are real yeah. good. I have that on with an orange vest for it. <laughs> uh, not, not dressed for hunting at all. Crawling through the snow. There had been snow the night before uh, that just had everything stuck to the trees. I mean, I mean, you know, all the limbs just had snow st stuck to it, just like the first buck I had shot. So I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is, I don't know if he's going to be there. So I slowly draw up and I can still see his rack. I can't, it's the only, I made sure I didn't go any higher so he couldn't, you know, he couldn't see me cresting the hill. So I'm back down crawling on all fours and army crawling. And there's a tree and with this path, there's kind of, it's kind of like a steep drop off. Well, I go and I'm like, I can probably get a good vantage point from beside this tree. So I go to step off this path, man. And I fall down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just like fall down to my knee. I mean, both feet, body, just poof. I held the gun up in the air and I fell. <laughs> So I was like, oh man, like uh, the wind was in my face, thankfully. I'm like, oh, that might have got him up and out running. <laughs> so I, I crawl all fours again. And I get up back up onto the path and I crawl another 15, 20 yards up beside uh, two trees that I knew I wasn't going to fall past. <laughs> and to my surprise, he's still there. Oh man. And I'm like, no way so i like to say i fell gracefully when i fell yeah <laughs> that's such a terrible feeling like oh yeah i know that i've i've fallen before in the woods and you just sometimes it's it's very painful <laughs> oh yeah yeah it, it hurt at the time i honestly when i fell i even caught myself like i just started giggling because i'm like this is yep this is how it goes yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> try to be stealthy yep yeah 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 try to be stealthy and i fall you know five yards down this hill so <laughs> Uh, I get up beside these trees and he's still in his bed. And I'm like, no way is this happening right now. So I, I slowly, I pull my gun up and I'm slowly just coming up so I could see his vitals. And then another deer that I didn't even know was there was up by my stand, took off like, you know, that quick. He was gone or it was gone. And it, it jumped up and took off while I could see all this deer's vital, you know, the O'Donnell's vitals. I could see them all. And he was getting a little nervous in his bed because that deer took off. He knew something. I was like, well, now's no, you know, now's the best time as any. 
So I pulled up, I took a deep breath and we let the crosshairs lay right on his heart and I shot and he didn't make, he didn't get up out of his bed, blew right through him and uh, put a, put a good kill shot on him and he died right there. Wow. Shot him in his bed. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and it was, it was the craziest thing, man, because you know, one, a mature buck saw us and didn't take off running. Yeah. Uh, that, that's never happened to me. And I was able to sneak back up on him after you know, call, falling down a hill. And, uh, and then, this buck was, it was 10 scoreable points. The lady at the, uh, where, where I went and uh, had it checked in at it Runzo's, which is a local outfit, uh, local outfit we got here. It, she said it was 11 because you can hang a ring on it. So. Um, <laughs> Call it 11. 11. 11 sounds better, right? <laughs> yeah, 11 sounds good. Yeah, he's, and oh, I mean, he is a super wide buck looking at the pictures of him. Yeah, man, 23 and three quarter inch inside spread. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I put a tape to him and, you know, from, I'm not a professional by any means, but uh, he gross scored 163 and an eighth and then mm-hmm. with deductions 157. Yeah. Nobody counts deductions. Yeah. 163. Yeah. Booner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like that. Yeah, maybe not official, but who cares about that piece of paper anyway? Right? That's awesome, man. That's a great deer. Yeah, you always take the higher number, just like the eleven point, right? Yeah, that's that's my brother. He went and got his scored, and he's like, "All right, he grossed uh, this number," and then he's like, "And he netted." I was like, "I don't need to know what he netted. Gross is all I care about." <laughs> right on, man. I agree. No, that's great, man. That's yeah, that's really cool. I mean, you you never hear that that particular story. I've never heard of anybody like walking in, seeing a deer, and then being able to first off to get your. I don't know that I'd be able to get my daughter out of there quietly. You know, she would be she'd be talking and jabbering the whole way. But maybe he thought, you know, maybe he thought he was fine, that he was safe, and that if you got any closer, he could get out of there. But you know, he kind of had the visual and thought that he had the upper hand. I don't know. Well, you know, man, that's what I was thinking too, but. There's, there's a little bit more that goes into this, man. There was a, so in the excitement of, you know, getting the first big buck I've gotten 17 years. <laughs> Boy, that sounds bad. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> excitement, I was ecstatic, you know, and I did, I looked at the deer and I, yeah, you know, I looked at his horns, if I'm being honest. And uh, I noticed he had some green gunk out the front of his eyes. And I'm like, Deers get sleepies like we do. Like, that's weird. I've never seen that before. I've killed a lot of deer and seen a lot of dead deer. I've never seen that before. So, you know, I, I get my daughter had dance class that night. So we had to, you know, we had to hurry up. I got pictures and then ran up the runzos and came home and got some more pictures. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to take my daughter to dance class. So I was good. We do our own processing. Yeah. So I was going to process and butcher him the next day. And uh we also my my bonus dad started a white-tailed deer farm so we started doing that uh about four years ago and so i go up to his house because he's got the setup to for butchering and stuff and i want him to see the deer too and we i started looking at it i was like dad this just doesn't doesn't this deer doesn't look right man so and he goes whoa oh man he stinks and i thought the smell was probably from rut you know the glands and stuff so anyways I'm just like, all right, well, we start looking at this deer and I feel the, like the back hip and you can feel his hip socket. That's mm. how bold it was like no meat at all. And then I felt down his spinal column and you can feel every single vertebrate. I'm like, Ooh, man, he looked good. Like he looked good and healthy to look at him. But once you started feeling around and my dad's like, yeah, we're not skinning that thing out here. You know, we got the deer over there and stuff. I'm like, yeah. So, well, I don't think, yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, uh i didn't get the meat and i was pretty upset about it and i didn't get the cape either because i didn't know what kind of infection that deer had so i wasn't going to be messing with it right oh man yeah maybe i mean maybe he had some issues with his eyesight then too is that what you were getting at yeah he could have um could have had issues with eyesight or or maybe just being sick he wasn't you know he wasn't as prone to getting up and taking off like he probably would have if had he been healthy ah that's too bad huh so that part was heartbreaking. But so what I learned in all this, man, was one, God has an awesome sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've sat out there just like a lot of people. Man. I sat out there in negative, you know, 10 degree weather, fifth negative, you know, temperatures and all these years. And I've, I mean, I've spent days upon hours in the tree stand and hunting my, I hunt my, I hunt hard, man, because I love it. 
and not had anything to, as far as like a big buck to show for it. And then here I am not even hunting and God puts this, this beautiful, massive buck that I've been after all year in my lap and blesses me with the opportunity to take the deer. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, yeah, man, it was, it was pretty, it was humbling. And I just, it just, like I say, it goes to show uh, how easily and how quickly something can happen. Isn't, it, isn't that the way he does things though? It's like, it's always seems like God has a way of doing things. Not at all the way that we expect every once in a while, you know, you're like, Oh, that went, thank you, Lord. That's just what I prayed for. But it seems like more often than not, it's like, it's in a way that you can't fathom, you know, it's a way like, would you have ever predicted that outcome at the beginning of this year? <laughs> oh man, heavens no. And you know, it says in the Bible that, you know, God will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, this has been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah. It, I think for, for me, the way I kind of look at that kind of stuff, man, is that God is so just amazing and he's so awesome. And that he, he, I knew it was him, you know, I, and that's his way of saying, Hey, this is, this is, this is me, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you think, and, and this can go in a lot of aspects of life is that you think that so much, so much, this, this is going to go this way and this is going to go this way. And God, God knows what's best. We know that. Um, and we've seen that throughout our life, but you know, God, God's like, ah, <laughs> I got a better way or, you know, and it's just like, it's like, it, it's always reassuring to me, I guess that I know when God's speaking, when he's like, yeah, you know, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, um, I think you bring this up is very good because I think about the timing of, of this podcast and just, you know, this is the last podcast of the year that's coming out and we've had a whole year of, of, of different guests and everything like that. But at the beginning of this year, could anybody have predicted how 2020 was going to go? You know what I mean? Like none of us really saw that. I mean, we probably all had prayers of what we wanted the year to be like, and it probably wasn't the way that we thought, but I think God still, use 2020 in a way probably to teach us some things that maybe to prepare us and um you know it's not the way we would have done it maybe <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping for 2021 maybe something a little bit different what's your thoughts on that oh man dude you hit the nail right on the head brother um so i actually was looking to get into motivational speaking i was looking to get into motivational speaking right before covid hit and my my my, my grit, it's grit. G-R-I-G-T is what it, it is. And it stands for, uh, it's an acronym. It stands for grace, righteousness, integrity, integrity, growth, and truth. So these are characteristics and ways to live our lives. And I want to bring that to people. I want to yeah. teach people how to live a life filled with grace while overflowing with righteousness and just walking in integrity while always growing in truth. And so this year, it was, it was kind of, for me, it was, it really helped me ground myself in this philosophy because it's hard at, and during tough times like this to always show grace uh, with, with people attacking you and stuff like that, man, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I, I keep in the back of my mind and, and in my heart that I've God's shown me grace in times where I didn't think I deserved, or I know I didn't deserve it, but God's always shown it to me. So I, I try to keep that when I'm dealing, you know, when you're dealing with being attacked and, and just the hardships of what's been going on this year that nobody saw coming. Yeah. Um, to live with these characteristics in your life, it, it it's, challenging but man is it rewarding and it sets a good example yeah and i think that's the thing too like nobody knows like we can't discern what god's plan is we don't know what it is i mean we ha- i have some theories on why god is allowing this covid thing and uh, this other stuff to go on you know I-, I have some theories on that but we don't know exactly what he's doing i mean that's if, if we knew exactly what god was doing he wouldn't be god right i mean he's so above us so i, I think about this it's like I think part of it's not necessarily we always want to know what's he up to, what's he doing, what's he got going on. But I think what he wants to know is how do you react? 
who are you? What's your character? And I think that's what this past year has kind of revealed to me, like maybe some chinks in my armor, some places where I thought I was strong, but then you take away a few things, just take away church on Sunday mornings, you take away a uh, connection to some other Christians or whatever it is. And it, it reveals kind of who you are in some ways, uh, strip down, who are you and, and where do you stand on things? And I think that that's maybe some things that he's, it, it kind of goes back to your original point it's not at all the way I thought <laughs> he would do that. Um, and so he, he kind of has a, a, a sense of humor and a way of just teaching us in, in ways that get our attention. Without a doubt, he's gotten my attention this year. Oh, man. Yes. In so many different ways, too. And I think, honestly, I think this has kind of been, I know for a lot of people I've talked to, and even for myself, in this year and not being able to gather and not, you know, in the manner in which we were so used to, um, it's really revealed to me. And I know, like I said, again, a lot of other people I've talked to where we're at and that we were just doing stuff and going, you know, some people were just doing stuff and just going through the motions of, all right, yep, get up Sunday, go to church. And I mean, that's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely for going and meeting with other believers and listen to a good message. And that's great. But I think at times, uh, we can get complacent with that and it just turns into something that we do and mm-hmm. something instead of something that changes us. Yeah. Well, Eric, I, I want to ask you one more question. Um, it, Cause talking about going into new year and people always say like new year, new you or whatever, and they set goals and that's nice. It's a good thing to do. Right. But I, you mentioned a hunt earlier where you talked about having kind of like some crazy college days and some of those things, but it kind of sounds like maybe some things have changed for you in that time frame. So I just, I don't, some people call it a testimony. I just call it your story. What can you tell us real quick, just kind of your story and how you've gotten to where you are, you know, with, with grit and, you know, where you are with your faith right now. Oh man, I would love to share that brother. All right. So man, I grew up uh, and I was, yeah, I started drinking when I was 13 years old. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, you know, there's been a divorce and stuff and there's some pain, man. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, I didn't realize this until recently of, you know, why I did what I did. But I had been around drinking, you know, not nothing crazy, but I've been around drinking my, you know, during my life. And uh, that's just kind of what we did in small towns. Yeah. So I started drinking and honestly, I started chasing women and I did a lot of it. And then I moved down to Florida and I got even worse into things. I, you know, drank more. I um, actually got into some drugs when I lived down there and it was, I never got addicted to anything, but I got into, I got into cocaine a little bit when I was down there. And that's, uh, I, 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 my mom brought, took us to church periodically growing up. So I knew about God and it was, it was a tough time. And, one thing I never realized until God, God showed it to me was that that's, that's, you know, if you stifle your feelings and you don't share your heart with people and you don't have somebody to talk to and get it out and get good advice, those feelings will manifest one way or another. And for me, it was drinking, chasing women, women, and then it went into drugs. So I was living that, I mean, a very, very volatile lifestyle, man. It was, it was not good. Well, then I moved back to Ohio. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Well, it's kind of funny how things have a tendency to follow you. So I still, I didn't do the drugs, but I got back to Ohio and started drinking again, you know, still doing the drinking like I was and, and chasing women while um, I had actually gotten, uh, gotten engaged to my ex-wife and uh, we had our, our daughter and she, I, when she was pregnant, I said, we need to go to church. Like, I, w- I don't want this life, you know, and I had stopped, I'd slowed down with my drinking at that, at that point tremendously, but I'm like, you know, I don't want this life. I don't want this for our kid. I don't want this for me. Like, it's just not healthy. So we, uh, we did, I, for lack of better terms, I call it church shopping, you know, <laughs> we, yeah. we went around to a couple places and just to see where we, we felt the best fit. So we ended up at a place, uh, uh, up here in Alliance, man, some of the best people. I love them dearly. They're some of the greatest people I've ever met. And um, they were there for me when I found out my ex-wife, when I caught my ex-wife cheating on me. And when we, you know, when the divorce thing went through and uh, man, I was, I was in a bad place. I was, yeah. you know, I saved at that point 
and that was awesome. And it, and it is honestly by the grace of God and by because of my relationship with him that I made it through and by the people I chose to surround myself with. That's huge right there is who you choose to surround yourself with. Um, but so anyways, man, I was I was already at that point. I've been saved for two years and just really trying to find God and my pastor and everybody there just loved on me. Even when I slipped and fell, because I did, when I got out on my own, man, I slipped and fell and did some stuff that I knew wasn't right. Uh, nothing crazy by any means, but they, they were always there with compassion. Now they were there. They, they held me accountable. Don't get me wrong, but they, they weren't, you know, they weren't trying to throw me out of the church or they weren't, you know, they were always there to love on me. And I think that's a yeah. good testament to how we're supposed to act. Uh, you know, when, when people screw up, because for me, I've, I, I have a people that I counsel, or I don't want to say counsel. I just, I, I do life with people, man. It ain't counsel. Um, I, I just do life with people and they share their hearts with me a lot. And, oh man, uh, Crawford, Eric, man, I, I did it again, dude. I did it again. I can't believe, oh my gosh. I say, you know, and we talk about it and say, Hey man, it's okay. You know, this isn't right. And we're going to be better. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to get on you, but the fact that you're, he goes, well, you know, a buddy of mine just said this the other day, well, why do I keep doing it? I'm like, cause you haven't died to that part of yourself yet. But what, what I'm encouraged by is the fact that you hear, you still feel bad about it. You know, you're still convicted mm-hmm. because if, if you, now if you stop getting convicted by it. That's when, that's when I'm going to get worried even worse, you know? Yeah. So anyways, man, uh, I really, I started just really searching and seeking and I took a year off from, like, I didn't go out on dates or anything. And I just, my, my pastor told me, just take a year, don't go out on dates, do nothing, work on your relationship with God. And man, let me tell you, that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. It was, it was, it transformed me. And I started, I, you know, hung out with good people and we have a life team that I go to, that we go to still. And man, um, just amazing spirit filled people. And so I go down to, we get into the health and wellness business that I was talking to you that I met your brother at, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm down in Texas for their biggest conference of the year. And I had uh, met this lady, she was, uh, she was a friend, she ended up becoming a friend of mine, but I had just randomly met her. I was talking to her and she shared her heart with me and stuff. She was a believer. So we sat there and talked and um, at the conference. And she, she asked me if I was ever going to get married again, you know, cause I told her my story and stuff. I said, you know, I don't wish anything bad on my ex-wife by any means. Um, you know, we all make mistakes. It is what it is. Uh, but no, I said, honestly, I have no desire to ever get married again. I just want my relationship with God and my daughter. And I, I really don't care. You know, that's not what I, I don't, I just don't care about having a relationship. Well, again, we're talking about God having a good sense of humor that night. I met my now wife, so uh i meet my wife man and i'll tell you what my wife is one of the most amazing the well the most amazing person i've ever met but i say one of the most amazing people on this planet she has got a heart of just pure passion and gold man she is an amazing woman she loves jesus so uh we go to a place called the main events like a dave and busters and i walk in late and there's, we have a big team uh, dinner and stuff. And she's standing up there. She doesn't even know I exist at this point. And I see her and something stopped me in my tracks. And I felt like a goofball because I just kind of sat there and stared. <laughs> I just I was like, wow. And I'm like, whoa, okay, dude, you look like a creep. So <laughs> I went and got some food, came back. And I'm sitting there looking and she, I'm, I'm looking at her. Now I'm so focused on her that all of her friends are looking at me and giggling because they see me checking her out. And um, four hours go by <laughs> of me passing her, you know, and us looking at each other. I'm looking at her, you know, but never saying a word. Um, I couldn't get my, I couldn't move my feet to go talk to her, man. It was the craziest thing in the world. That's never happened. That hasn't happened to me since uh, it was middle school. That happened. <laughs> and, and I, after that, I felt like such a sissy, you know, in middle school. I'm like, this will never happen again. Worst thing a girl could do is say, get out of my face, you know, leave me alone. So, but I couldn't get my feet to move. It was like they were buried in cement. And at the end of the night, my um, Sophia, her surname, my wife, my now wife, uh, she was with a girl that I knew off of Facebook. And I didn't even remember the girl's name off Facebook. I just knew I knew her. So that was my opportunity to go talk. And at that conference, man, people were there from all over the, 
uh, country. So it's, it's custom is, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? So I saved my wife for last. And she said, my name's Sophia. I'm from Washington. I'm like, DC? She goes, no state. I'm like, oh man, yeah, I'm in Ohio. She's in Washington. That'll never work. <laughs> um, so I go home and go, I'll go home. I go back to the hotel and I can't get her off my mind. And I remember my dad always telling me, you know, if your gut's telling you something, follow up on it. So I'm trying to find her on Facebook, spent an hour and a half, couldn't do it, couldn't find her because I'm not very tech savvy. And the next day we're in this conference and it's at the Dallas Cowboys stadium. So we got this big jumbotron and I guess lo and behold, uh, George W. Bush had just spoken to us and lo and behold, right after that, she said, I'm going to meet my future husband here. So uh, it's, it's like I said about five minutes wow. later and my face shows up on the jumbotron because I was sitting three rows back and my face shows up and she's like, Oh my goodness. God's speaking to me like that's that guy from last night. I've got, I've got to, I got to find a way to get in touch with him because apparently she had been looking for me the previous night as well on Facebook. Oh <laughs> uh, wow! Yeah, so I mean, I check my phone. I go to put some, you know, write a quote or something on Facebook, and I check my phone, and I was, I was, uh, became friends with a guy down there. His name was Dylan. Um, he was a veteran, and I was giving him rides back and forth, and you know, and I told him about what had, what had transpired the previous night, and I'm like, dude, and I was, he's like, yeah, man, that happens. I'm like, no, that doesn't, I've, I haven't chickened out about talking to a girl in a long time. So anyways, um, I'm tell, uh, he knew I was excited to try to find her. And I go and I check my notifications on Facebook and there it is, is a friend request from my now wife. And I'm right behind corporate staff and it's a very, very quiet, very serious moment. And I scream out you know, really loud. I'm like, dude, that's her. <laughs> Everybody around me jumped. I almost gave poor Ron Reynolds, which was, uh, he's in his eighties. I almost gave him a heart attack. I think he's, I'm like, Oh, he's like, that's great, man. But calm down. So, um, you know, that was, and then me and my uh, now wife started talking and within, I knew within a week that she was, I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. And she knew very quickly as well. And uh, seven months later, we were engaged a year and a half later, we were married and we now have a son. So <laughs> two and a half years later. Eric, that's a great story. You never know how God is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh man mm. I, just, I did I, I found that quite you know again like we talked about with the deer you know i said i don't want nothing to do with it and god's like yeah i got you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just gives you that wink that ever you know that nod and wink man <laughs> well i i hope some people find encouragement in this i think um you know that we, we can trust God. I think he's good. And sometimes we have some things that are challenging in our lives. And we don't always understand it, but I think he, he knows what's best for us and, and he knows his timing is best on that. Even though we don't like to wait and we want things now, uh, his timing is best. Amen, man. Hmm. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your stories, man. I had a good time. Oh, me too, brother. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to have you back on and congratulations on a real nice buck and great stories. And I really appreciate your time today, man. Uh, thank you, brother. It's been a blessing and I appreciate you asking me on. And uh, like I said, man, it's, this has been an honor and a blessing. Well, you have a happy new year. All right. You too, man. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Bye-bye. Man, guys, I enjoyed having Eric on the show. What a great guy. Great stories. Love that story at the end about his wife. And it just goes to show you just never know how things are going to plan out, pan out. And no matter what our plans are, um, you know, God's ultimately in control. And he's got a better plan than what we could ever imagine. The Bible says that God works for the good of those who love him. So if you love the Lord, <laughs> if you love his son, if you just, you know, maybe you don't know a lot about him, but you just know that he's good continue to pray. Pray that he shows you his plan and that you can kind of get maybe a picture of what he's doing. I mean, it's just incredible sometimes. I think about, about the way God used different things in my life, things that I would have never guessed um, 
he used. Just today, a memory popped up on Facebook, and it just blew me away. And it was of my daughter, Hattie. And many of you know the story about my daughter, but she was uh, just locked inside of her brain for so long. Like, she couldn't talk. She couldn't hardly move. But we, on a whim, we, we heard about this thing out in Oklahoma where she could use her eyes uh, to talk. And we, we didn't know what she could do. She'd been in preschool, but she'd never spoke. She'd never done anything. And we went out there, hooked her up to the machine, and it was just the alphabet. <laughs> and we're like, oh, great. You know, she's four years old. She's not going to be able to do this. And we said, all right, Hattie, can you spell your name? And where's the H? And the little bubble moves around the screen, and my little girl found the H. And if she hovered over a spot for a certain amount of time, it would click, and she clicked the H. And I was like, okay, Hattie, where's the A? And it took some, some work, but she went over and she found the A. And then she tried to find the D, and she was about to fall asleep. And so we were waking her up, trying to get her to, like, come on, come on, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And we're like, do it one more time. And then she typed B, and she typed Y, and she made the thing speak. There's a little speak button. So she goes, bye. (laughs) And I just look back at that, and I think, wow. You know, we had no idea what she was capable of. We had no idea what God was going to do whenever she was born and the way that he was going to unlock her and, and let her be our, her parents for at least five years until he, he brought her home. You know, God has some amazing plans, and he can take some very challenging things. A year like 2020, he can take that, and maybe that's the year you needed to make 2021 be absolutely amazing. We'll find out. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope we come back for another episode, and remember to shed the light.